Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Westwood Show, and I am your host and executive producer, Lois Westwood. We're coming to you live this morning from Houston, Texas, at 8 o'clock a.m. Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free. And if you do, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. The call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can telephone in or you can call using Skype. After you call, if you want me to open the line and let you speak on the show, if you have a question or comment, then hit the number one. Otherwise, you can just listen to the show on your phone. If you want to ask a question, press one. It's like raising your hand in class. In the second half of the show, if anybody has questions, we'll begin taking them then. Also, I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics and spirituality, the coming changes, and the kinds of things that we talk about here on this show. I've been sending it out free for about 11 years, and to sign up for that, you go to hotpinklotus.com, and I don't ever share email addresses with anyone. We have a great show for you today. Our guest is Dr. Michael Mirdad, author of the book, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up. Dr. Mirdad, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm Good. I have a question for you, and it seems like a strange place to start, but I've just died of curiosity. The image on the cover of this book is just absolutely fascinating, and I'm wondering where it came from. Actually, that's um, that's an old uh, wood carving, a Middle Ages, I think, a wood carving. Um, yeah, go on. Go ahead. I thought that's what I thought it was, Middle Ages. Just curious. Yeah, yeah, it's an old wood carving. It's been used um, a couple of times, um, and. Um, you know, and I remember a book that came out in the, um, it was an abstract book on metaphysics, um, got back in like around 1980 um, that I picked up, and it was a beautiful color book, and it was a, um, and it was just so, it was something I fell in love with, and so when I wrote the book, um, which kind of came together very inspired and very quickly, um, that that cover just popped into my mind, and I realized, oh, I got to go back and, and grab that artwork from many years ago. It is a stunning, stunning image. So, with your permission, I'd like to read a couple of lines from the introduction, a couple of paragraphs. Yes, please do. Okay. Having lost sight of its true nature, every embodied soul goes through a transformational process as a means of awakening or remembering its identity. There are two methods or paths by which a soul chooses to wake up. We either create a crisis that brings us to our knees, or we simply decide that it makes sense to move on to a new way of living. These two options can be defined as learning life's lessons the hard way or the easy way. And then there's a quote from The Course in Miracles. Learning through rewards is more effective than learning through pain. It's going to happen. This unavoidable process will inevitably surface in your life experience. At some point, your life's going to fall apart, crash, become stagnant or perhaps become unfulfilling. It will happen to you, it will happen to me, it will happen to everyone eventually. It's unavoidable, much like death itself. You can run, but you can't hide. Did you want to say something? I love that. I love that introduction because it's so true. Well, thank you so much. 
yeah, that really summarizes a lot of what I'm saying there in the book. Um, you know, it's it's an issue of saying. Um, I mean, I like to write the fact uh, you know, on so- topics that are just um, pertinent to everybody. And to me, this is my way of saying, you know, I'm not just writing a topic that might or might not be of interest to somebody, but instead um, something that that really strikes, you know, truth to everybody. And, and, you know, I've been touring and teaching for so long and doing healing sessions, I've certainly become so familiar with with, uh, folks and the kinds of things we encounter and have seen, um, especially since I work with healers and counselors themselves and spiritual teachers and authors, uh, you know, nobody's immune to the life process, to the, the wake-up calls of life. And so many of us have, have um, come to realize that, you know, even when we think, wow, I'm something, you know, I'm, I'm amazing, I've written a book, I'm a spiritual teacher or whatever, we still have the same um, issues, the, the same meltdowns. For example, a quick one would be, I remember one time an author um, came to me and um, he was so proud. He was saying, you know, I've written this book. It's amazing. It's, you know, it's this, you know uh, a few hundred pages. I mean, it was this, this big volume of a book. And he was just so excited and so proud of it. And um, I could tell that, that even though it was an accomplishment, it was, it was a stage that he hadn't actually completed his, his, a personal trans, transformation that, that's, as mentioned in the book. So I said to him, well, you know, it's, it's not going to come out. Um, it's not, something's not ready. He said, oh, no, 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 it's all bound. You know, it's ready to go to the printer. I said, well, you know, I could just tell. So he didn't believe me. And then a couple weeks later he called me and said, well, I don't understand what happened, but I've lost the entire manuscript. It, the whole the computer crashed or whatever. He lost all of it. It all disappeared, everything he had written, now, which is heartbreaking, which is heartbreaking. But the point is when you're in the soul transformation process, it has no, um, you could say, pity for, for that sort of thing. It's, and not because spirit or the universe doesn't care about us, it, because it, 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 it does, but it's saying that what we think are our accomplishments are really small matters compared to what it wants for us, which is a greater good. So any amount of, any amount of stagnation, any amount of um, uh, you know, self-pride uh, or whatever it happens to be, things like that, um, the, the, you know, the soul is going to, and it is our soul. That's also, you know, mentioned in there, and I want to make that clear that even in the New Age community, spiritual community, people use these terms like, oh, look, you know, the universe is doing this to me, or God is doing that to me. And it's all kind of ironic to me because uh, God and the universe have nothing to do with this process, um, little or nothing. I mean, God has something to do with it in the sense that it, it's, its prayers are extending to us for goodwill, it's it's extending uh, prayers of peace and joy, and 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 you know, kind of like saying, uh, I know you guys will get it, just hang in there. But the, all the all the transformations and all the challenges, these don't come from God or uh, the full moon or planetary alignments. They come from our soul. Now, our soul, of course, uses all the full moons and planetary alignments and whatever else to kind of find auspicious moments to bring up just the right issues. But the stars and such reflect what we're going through. They're not fate to what we must go through. It's, it's more a reflection of what we are indeed going through. So it's, it's quite amazing. And, and, and that all ties together everything we, we all say in the spiritual community. We always say these things. We just need to believe them a little bit more and realize that, you know, we're, we're here. We're going through this 
process, and we do play a part. We don't just create our reality, so to speak, quote-unquote, create our reality when we, uh, hey, look at me, I created a new car, and then we don't like when something goes a little amiss in our lives and say, well, gosh, why is this universe doing this to me? We create all of it. So we need to take responsibility not just for the accomplishments and say, gee, look at me. It's for the entire thing. It's, it's, and, and when I say we create, it's not just the, uh, again, it's not just the blessings and we say, wow, you know, my life, look at how, how wonderful. It's, um, the challenges are just as important, just as valuable, just as beautiful. The challenges that sort of, um, for us, they bring up um, uh, the, more, all, the all more important uh, soul process. The, uh, where am I going to go from here? And it's, it's far more important where you're going to go spiritually from one stage of living or thinking or believing to another than it is to say you've simply manifested a new car or whatever else with your, your own thought power. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these um, classes that teach people to manifest the car or the house or the relationship, I think those are just ways sometimes that um, the soul sets it up for us to get it, that there's something beyond what is the culturally normally accepted reality. And then after that, we get deeper into it and realize, oh, I may be able to magnetize a car or house or relationship to myself, but there's something larger going on orchestrating events in my life so that I learn certain lessons at certain times, and they're unavoidable. That's correct. Yep, that's totally correct. And what I what I teach folks, I think that's a bit different, but it, it seems to resonate um, with most students and so forth, um, is that instead of just the, the concept of, of creating or manifesting our new reality and so forth, uh, you know, all of that's really actually nice because that's better than just being in your life stuck with nothing and believing that's the end of it. It's nice that people can realize, wow, you know, I, I'm starting to experiment with, you know, mental creation and thought processes and magnetizing things to me and so forth. But um, what I teach in addition is before you do any of that, in your meditations and your visualizations, they all need to be centered in God, in spirit, in, in God consciousness. So, I recommend people having a moment of stillness before they do any, any thought creations or any conscious manifestation processes. It's, it's center in God, which is love. Center in peace. So I recommend that folks center for a moment, um, thinking about filling up with peace, with joy, with all that they imagine God to be. Just simply imagine breathing that in and breathing that in over and over for about a minute, just really concentrating in the presence of God, filling, filling that person or filling you. So we fill up with that presence. Then we say, now just imagine what life would be like, what it would look like if indeed you are filled up with that divine presence. Because that's what it would look like. If I am filled with, completely filled with God, which I've just now called in as peace and love and so forth, then what would my health look like? What would my finances look like? And just see the natural outcome rather than from a place of, either neediness, brokenness, or a place of self-will, you know, that says, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to create this, and I, 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 all about this little ego I, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's just, it's, it's a different place. It's a different uh, kind of a creation. That's a little bit more ego-based. Mm-hmm. So my, my methods and techniques when it comes to that is center in spirit first. And folks that really um, have a, a relationship 
with God or in, in whatever form, whatever name, they really appreciate it coming back to that instead of being so self-will oriented, if, if that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I completely agree with you. Um, so can you give us an example of um, a, let's call it a hypothetical person who goes through the five stages, like a story? Well, sure. That that um, I, I guess the first thing to make clear is there are five stages, but the, there's only really, there's three and then there's a bridge you have to cross, and then there's two. And um, the first three have to do with life falling apart, basically. That's when you, you're dealing with uh, a dismantling. Let's say, for example, and, 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 and I'll use two examples, I guess, because one might be a person's life um, who's, who's kind of complacent, meaning uh, they don't even know there's a problem. There's just a, a numbness at work. There's just a numbness in their relationship. There's some sort of stagnation or complacency. Well, they are an accident waiting to happen. It's not just people that are, it, in other words, it's not just for one type of person. The, the soul transformation process is happening all the time in little tiny ways, day to day, and then, of course, in the big ways such as transformations like blow-ups. So one person might say to me, well, you know, I don't know why this is happening because my life was actually pretty copacetic. It was fairly okay, just flat, but it was flatlined and they didn't realize. The other person might say, well, this makes total sense because I was really screwing up my life. I was really uh, living uh, di- difficultly. I, I was not taking care of myself. I, you know, so there's a person who obviously, you know, is is uh, going to create a problem because they're living dangerously, whether it's major addictions or or self-abuse or abuse of others. But this isn't just for those folks. This is just as much for folks who who say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm uh, like a Christian would say, I'm not a sinner. So this, you know, uh, so, so this stuff doesn't apply to me. Well, it does. This applies to everybody because even the person who's living numb is not living the divine matrix of their lives. They're not living the divine blueprint that's in store for them, which is, you know, again, only what God is. So what is God? You know, imagine God or spirit to be love and joy and abundance. Well, that would mean that if you're not experiencing love and joy and abundance, then it must mean there's going to be a a change somehow. Because your soul, again, who's in charge of all this, your soul's going to say, you know what, our primary goal in existence is to raise that thing which is the, uh, the the human self up into the divine self and we're going to do that one way or another so would you like to go along with us or do we drag you along but it is the soul that's saying we're going to do this so the soul wants to rise up into god consciousness and it's, it's going to want to take the humanness with it so it simply wants to transform the humanness into that divinity so you know off we go except the the humanness resists so whether it's a person who's abusive, self-abusive, or whatever, or the person who's stagnant, you see how it still applies. It's, even if it's a person who's going, well, I'm okay, you know, my life's fine, and no, I'm not really happy at this job, but I, sh- I should be really lucky I even have a job. That's not the soul's affirmation. When we say it's good enough, my relationship's good enough or whatever, that is not a soul affirmation. So the soul will then start the, the process, and the first stage is dis- or dismantling. That means 
Um, what A Course in Miracles mentions this, by the way, this process, um, just in passing, and in when it does, and it literally is just in passing in a paragraph, it says, by the way, this is going to happen to everybody, and, and it describes the first stage as a period of undoing. Oh, well, a period of undoing. A, a yep. period so, of so undoing. Undoing. Mm-hmm. And, and it calls, it refers to undoing, uh, it refers to this because it's basically saying it's a period of undoing. That, that means something that you think is, is going to be undone. So I'm calling that dismantling. And um, this dismantling, uh, A Course in Miracles, when it mentions undoing, it says this process need not be painful, which, you know, always makes you go, oh, thank goodness. And then it adds, but it usually is. And it, and it which I think is funny. Which, I do too. I think it's got to, a lot to do with resistance to that. Dismantling. Well, that's the whole. That's no. That's the only problem. That's the the only reason a dismantling or uh, the undoing would be painful or seem painful is because of resistance. If and it's our humanness fighting fighting the soul, and the soul wants to go home. So it's, it's fighting. It's either the part that's fighting um, for control. Or it's the part that's resisting change. So that's kind of where all that comes from. There's this, you know, there's this this buildup of of resistance, and this is all about. I mean, that 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 um, dismantling process and the pain that goes with it is all that Buddha taught about in his initial teachings. When he says life is suffering, he says, "Look, I've got I've got the insights of how this world works," and he's describing, in a sense the beginning of the soul transformation process. In fact, he's describing the whole transformation process in, in his four primary steps of teachings when he, that he begins with, which is roughly stated that life su- is suffering. There's, there's, we have a problem, Houston. You know, it's like there, there is a problem, and I figured out why. So he goes on to say life is suffering because of human attachments. And then he goes on to say, and there's a way out of this, and then he teaches the way out of this. So... He's essentially saying, because of attachments, you're going to go through this painful dismantling process. So back to the Course, of Course in Miracles, which is saying, this doesn't have to be painful, but it's painful because of your resistance. And then it goes on later in the Course to explain that it's, it's the part of us that, um, that, that, that thinks it's losing something valuable. Whether, even with you know, something tangible like a job or a relationship, uh, the course is so deep, though. It's it's saying, look, this isn't life. Isn't about what you think it's about. It's not about your your little romances and your little jobs. And your this is about you remembering divine consciousness. This is way beyond what you think it is. So you're upset because you think you know what's going on and that you think you're losing this, and but you don't realize what you're really uh, losing. You're only losing your ego-based life that you manifest or manipulated into activity. And now it's your ego that's crying about it. But if you'd realize it's your ego, you would kind of not care that it's whining about it because you'd realize you're stepping into a new level of God consciousness. So it's kind of ironic and all that. So the first step, dismantling. The dismantling begins, which means on a tangible level, you lose your job, you lose your relationship. And what I'm saying to folks is your soul knew this was happening. It was telling you in your dreams. It was telling you in synchronicities. It was telling you in messages on the radio, just like the old, the good old concept of listening to synchronicities and you know um, these these moments in life that are just sort of trying to speak to you, universal uh, uh, messages. So we 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 want to pretend that this took us off guard, but we we really do know these things are happening before they actually strike us. 
So dismantling starts. And people say to me all the time, oh, my God, I'm totally in the dismantling process. I lost this, lost this. Um, now I want to say sometimes it's little and sometimes it's bigger things that are getting dismantled or our lives, but sometimes it's huge where everything's getting dismantled at once. It feels like your job and your relationship and the place you live. That is not just a dismantling. It is a dismantling, but it's the biggest form, and it's called the dark night of the soul. When everything seems to be going wrong, that's when your soul basically isn't just changing a little thing or a big thing. It's changing everything, and it does that a couple of times per person's lifetime. And uh, that's, a, that's basically a, a house cleaning. That's when it says, well, look, we're not going to just change one little thing here and there. We're going to really rip everything down, strip it all down, and kind of start it all over again so that we're doing like a, a major renovation, so, uh, which is good. It's kind of like personal feng shui, right? So the dismantling happens, and um, at, you know, you're breaking down. You're losing something, number one. Two, second stage, you're going to feel now that something's lost, something you valued has been taken away. Of course, would be telling you again, but you had a false value. You thought something was important that wasn't, and or you weren't listening to a message that was trying to come to you. So you're going to feel empty, you're going to feel, which, which is sad. You're going to feel sad. You're going to feel bummed. You're going to feel you know, kind of empty because you've lost something. You're going to feel depressed. And in, in a certain kind of a way, that's actually um, like, like a tantrum of sorts. It's kind of like saying, I don't want to live. Well, you know, as, as sad as it is, it's still a little bit of an ego tantrum. It's not your divinity that's saying this. It's, it's just the ego self. But nevertheless, you do feel sad. You do feel depressed. And it's totally understandable because of what you've gone through. The third stage is called disorientation. And this is as far as most people go. But it's disorientation, which means, in effect, I've lost something, number one. I feel really bummed. I feel really empty inside. That's number two. And now I don't even know who I am. I thought I, thought I was a mom. And all my kids have now moved on, which is a dismantling. Your children moved on and went to school, college or whatever, which means your motherhood and family life, your household has been dismantled. So now you think, and you call it empty nest syndrome, but in fact it's a dismantling, emptiness, and now you're saying, who am I if I'm not that mom or if you lost your job? Who am I if I'm not that CEO or that uh, doctor or that nurse or that lawyer or that clerk? Um, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know who I am. I thought I knew. I mean, come on, I've been doing this most of my life, and yet it's been taken away, so now I'm, I'm confused. Well, that, as tragic and, and scary as that is, that's a really major statement from the soul. It's like saying, this is great. Where are we going now? This must mean there's something in store for us. And usually when we go through this process, if we, if we go through with any amount of grace, it's ironic because we usually end it with, I should have done this sooner. But in the process, we don't like it. We, we feel a bit out of control. So this is um, the end, and, and most people will only go this far feeling disoriented. And what people do when they feel disoriented is to, uh, usually is try to jump back in control and try to recreate their lives again. For example, I've lost a relationship. I'm feeling sad now, empty, you know. Third, I'm feeling disoriented. I don't, I don't know who I am, what I'm going to do. Am I unlovable? See, that's the disorientation. Where am I going to go? There's a desperation. Um, and what we usually do is, on a rebound, go jump in uh, to another relationship. Go and manifest. We, 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 I don't care if you call it you know, uh, uh, you know, online dating, if you call it uh, 
you know, spirituality, synchronicity. My astrologer helped me set, set me up with somebody energetically, and um, my crystals did this for me, and God did that for me. When you go without finishing your healing process and try to manifest another relationship when you haven't completed a nice healing process, which I'll talk about in just a sec, then you are trying to manipulate. To get out of your loneliness, you're trying to manifest a relationship, which means you're still trying to be in control, which means the humanist is still trying to pull the soul, which is up in the heart, downwards to the, you know, to the, to the ground, instead of letting it and the rest of us rise up into the heavens in consciousness. It's trying to pull us down. And most people are pretty excited and pretty proud. Hey, guess what? Remember I was really lonely and sad weeks ago? Well, now I'm blissed out. I manifested my soulmate. I read a book on how to visualize it and manifest a soulmate. Now I'm good, man. I'm good to go. I'm doing great. And then they crash again down the road because they've manipulated again. And if it's ego manipulation, what has to happen to all ego manipulation? It's got to get dismantled. And then you're going to feel empty again and then disoriented again. So most people cycle around just in those first three stages again and again. And then, for the brave of heart, we go over the bridge. Finally, into the fourth stage, only for the brave, the courageous, the, 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 the ones that have the spiritual tenacity to say, you know what, I'm tired of creating my reality, my ego reality. I'm tired of, of manipulating my life. Now I'm going to let go and let God. This is, is in a word, it's surrender. So now I'm going to let go and practice surrender. And, and that's the humility, it's the, I, I don't know my own best interest is, is an affirmation in A Course of Miracles that could easily play out here. I don't know. I thought I knew, and this is all in lines with uh, Buddha's teachings, Christ's teachings, and so on. I don't know. The, uh, me of myself, I know nothing. So I want that deeper, greater inspiration that tells me and shows me precisely where I need to be going with myself, with my life. That is fantastic. That's where... We can then, in that humility, that, that stage in the, in the transformation process, that stage is called rebuilding. And you're rebuilding this time with God. But you've got to have that humility and sense of surrender. So now you're in this openness, and all of a sudden you're able to use techniques like calling in spirit, visually, um, energetically, calling in spirit. You know, in humbleness and prayer, meditation, here I am, God, show me what you'd want me to do today, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In that, you then start to create a new life. And so the fifth stage is called a new life, which means it's the fruits. It's the, the outcome, the benefits of doing good work. That you hung in there, and now you're getting to see the outcome of the work you've done. And that, that means, you know, you, you haven't manipulated into this new life. You've actually gone into spirit and learned to create as a co-creator. Not a manipulator, not an ego-based, I want this but as a co-creator. And it's, it's perfect. It explains exactly where we're supposed to be as, as divine beings. So that's basically, those are the five stages. Again, dismantling, emptiness, disorientation, and then if you can make it over the bridge through surrender and uh, uh, humility, then you'll go to the fourth stage, which is rebuilding, and finally the outcome, a, a new life. So we've got a question on the um, chat. And I think you've already answered it, but I'm going to read it. And it's from Tracy. She says, I struggle between fear and love, ego attachment versus surrendering to God's will. I'm going through this now with being out of work and worrying about money. How would you advise a spiritual person to have trust in the process? 
I'm not sure if, if I'm real clear about what what she's asking there. Um, so she's saying, um, she's asking. Can you, par- can you paraphrase that? Okay, she's saying she's having trouble surrendering to God's will. She's struggling between fear and love. What's your advice about how to have trust in the process? I think you've already answered it, but yeah, yeah, somewhat. So um, to face it, how do we how do we trust in the process? If if we see, there's because there's a couple questions woven in there together, but mm-hmm. uh, the fear and love, and then trusting in the process, and so forth. God really, if we if we believe in and acknowledge in this divine being, this divine consciousness, this creator, then we learn to understand it doesn't just exist, it is all that there is. Mm-hmm. And if it's all that there is, the the process of, of humility and surrendering isn't because there's some being that says, you know, bow before me kind of a thing. The bowing before me, it's, it's ironic, is it's, it's imagine... It, there's a spiritual presence in all of us, and there is. But imagine that it's sort of symbolized in the upper chakras. And when we have that idea of humility, what it means in some respects is imagine the lower chakras, which means not lower isn't bad, but the lower centers representing our ego-based humanness. That part of us is the part that needs to be humbled. So when we say humble, I, I want to make it clear first, we're not talking about uh, because we're wrong or bad or lesser than. What it means is letting the the ego-driven humanness bow before our divinity, and then our divinity is bowing before the great universal divinity. So that divinity tries to speak to us every day. We don't have to go the hard route, which you read when we started uh, a bit ago. Um, there's a part of us that, that, that doesn't quite understand this and resist, you know, resist this process. So that, that divine part speaking into our hearts, saying, you know, let me guide you and I can bring you to a beautiful life. So this isn't a, a negative humility. So when she's saying the difference between love and, and fear, the fear is coming from that, not the God self. The God self wouldn't fear. Why, why are you afraid? Why are you intimidated? Who's the you that's intimidated? It's the, it's the ego. It doesn't want to give up the ghost. It doesn't want to give up control. When you see that, you can, you can laugh at it. Sure, we can also talk about profound processes that actually do this and the way this looks and so forth, but I would like to just you know, also encourage a, a bit of laughter, a bit of an ability to, to laugh at ourselves and say, this is just the ego self that, that doesn't want to allow me to experience my own divinity. And so that, that's a bit of an answer anyway for now, but um, you know, and she can email me to to learn, you know, to, to get a, a little bit more insight. But the, the idea is that um, surrendering to the process, um, remember the process isn't a being telling you you have to do something. The process is what you truly want. It is what you truly want in, in your highest self. You, you do want to be love and joy and peace and abundance and so forth. This is what you really want. So it isn't you're bowing just to God's will. You're bowing to, it, it is God's will, but it is, in fact, your own. And, and that's why we go through these things. Um, it's, it's a process of learning to realize that our will is the same as God's will. Our will meaning there is a part of me that actually only wants my highest good. And, and all this so-called soul transformation processes and such are simply our way of learning that all else, anything other than 
you know, uh, div- my divine choices, my, my choices for my higher good are bogus. That's what this is all about, is just me realizing that, no, there really isn't a need for any other thoughts or um, um, belief systems other than divine, and that's what we end up choosing. So we kind of go this hard way and long way around to getting to that same conclusion, but that's the whole point to it all. I keep getting a visual of traveling down a river and all of a sudden there's a a big vortex in the river. And mm-hmm. when you get to the place where you're supposed to go down the vortex, if you're swimming against the vortex, you're not going to go on down through the right. vortex and come out the tube on the other end, which is this incredibly gorgeous, placid lake surrounded by beautiful trees and bright sunlight in a whole new world. And that's what most of us do is just fight against the current, fight against the current, fight against the current, and become exhausted and terrified. And it's kind of like going through a birth canal is the picture I'm getting. Oh, yeah, and the whole thing's ironic because when you really get down to it, the idea is you want to go downstream. You want to get down the river, and yet you're fighting the river and then complaining to the universe that you're tired. Right. But the idea is you really, the, the divine part of you, really wants to go for the flow. You know, like, hey, I want to get down river. Get in the water and start fighting. Now, no sane person would do that. But then again, we're not sane. When we're behaving like this, we are not sane. When we're fighting this and, you know, and, 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 and messing with all this, we're not actually in our uh, sane selves. We're in our, that's what the ego is, is it's the part of us that thinks, it actually wants something other than what we truly want, which is really kind of an insane process. It is. And I I know this because I've experienced this process more than once in my life, sometimes hard, sometimes easy. We have got a question here on the chat uh, asking about your website. What is the address? Grailproductions.com, is that the one you want? It's, yeah, it's um, www.grail, it's holygrailproductions.com. Okay, G-R-A-I-L, productions.com, okay. Correct, That's and Grail cool. Productions is, it's, it's a, a nice uh, home base, so to speak, um, for my work. There, are, you know, people have me featured in other websites here and there as well, but that's kind of my home base um, website, and mm-hmm. on that website, there's everything from articles to my my itinerary, um, and um, it also has to the right hand side of the home page. There's a few links um, that talk about intensive workshops, and there's uh, even though I'm touring every pretty much every weekend of every month of every year, um, there's a few times per year that I have five day intensives instead of say. Um, you know, like I just got uh, through with a tour of Toronto. In fact, my, my voice might sound a little hoarse. I'm just finishing a, a two- or three-month tour of lectures. And um, in, the, in the workshops, I mean, I go places and I might do a, for a spiritual center or sometimes a new thought church or uh, yoga centers. There's different talks that I do different places. They might be two hours or they might be four hours. And it's, you know, just throughout the country, throughout the world, but there's only a few times per year that I actually do a five-day intensive. Um, in the springtime, you'll see on the website, it's a healing workshop. And then in the summer, which is coming up in about a month, I do my mastery intensive. And then in the fall, more of a spirituality intensive. 
the mastery intensive that's coming up, I'm saying this not as just an advertisement or something for the workshop, because um, we have plenty of people already signed up, but um, the mastery intensive explains a lot of the, the premise or the, the whole foundation of what I teach. If somebody says, um, what, what, is, you know, what is it that you teach? What is your primary uh, uh, teaching all about? What is it, the foundation? It's, it's God first. I always say that. It's God first, meaning that above all else, it's about connecting with spirit. So, of course, I'll be teaching, uh, doing Sunday services for some new thought churches, or I'll be teaching prayer and meditation. Well, what is the purpose of all that? It's about making God first. It's spirituality. It's meditation. It's connecting. It's, and, I, and I believe in doing everything in a very simple, easy, clear way. I don't think things need to be complicated. So a lot of people appreciate that when I teach, I, I do so as concisely as possible. So it's about making spirit the priority again in our lives and in, in this world. And so that's why, and that ties together so many things you'll see that I teach on, such as uh, whether it's anything from Buddha to Christ consciousness to Mary Magdalene to, uh, you know, uh, um, ascension. That's all about God first. So secondly, um, the thing I teach is, is what I call mastery, which means how to take the spiritual concepts, the God first concepts, and live them in your life. Because a lot of times people are either into themselves and making themselves better, but forgetting it has to be spirit first, because otherwise you'll just be trying to manipulate your life of your own doing. Or they're the other extreme. They're all about God, and they're very into Buddhism or, or God uh, to some capacity, but they don't live it on a daily basis. They're, they may be a little too airy-fairy, too lofty. And so the second step or premise to my teachings are about bringing the God peace into day-to-day -day life, which I call mastery. That means um, in what you do, how you, how you breathe. You know, it's, it's, you don't just talk God and, and walk around, you know, floating uh, off the earth. It's living it passionately. So it's how to live the God energy, the God consciousness in your relationships, in your parenting, in your finances, in your sexuality, in your health, your vitality, friendships, all of it, in every possible way. And so in my mastery workshop, it's quite fun because, you know, it's about how to take all that that's out there and really bring it into every aspect, our creative aspects, our emotional aspects, psychological aspects, every part of our being. So you'll see those links on that website, and it'll explain a little bit more about those workshops. Great. And where is your next one being held, your next workshop? Um, it's it's mid-August, and that's the mastery one. That's mid-August, and it's um, the the intensives are held in the Seattle area. Is it full yet? No, there's, I think, um, four spots left. Fabulous. Okay, um, so I want to know if there's, well, when do you teach these Tantra? I'm noticing on the website that you have Tantra workshops. When do you teach these? How often? Typically, that is once a year. This year, there's actually two five-day intensives that I'm doing. Um, yeah, there's a reason for that, actually. But usually, in, uh, aside from my other five-day intensives, and the reason I didn't mention that is it, it, was, it was out of place in the sense that it's, it's not with the others held at my retreat in the Seattle area. That, that particular workshop is held um, typically in, in uh, South Florida. And it's in June. I do a, a nice um, beginner to the, the, an intro to um, uh, Tantra and Sacred Sexuality, and um, we do that uh, in conjunction, like a week following 
the Universal Lightworkers Conference because I always like going to that. That's like you know the best conference in the world. It's an incredible uh, conference. So folks can go and and look at that website as well, UniversalLightworkers.com because that's that's just something that's worth doing every year. So that's in South Florida. So I do that, and then immediately following, or like a day or two later, we go into our five-day uh, workshop um, because I'm one of the speakers at that conference. Then I stay in Florida and do um, do the other workshop, and it just works because it's we're there. Um, you can get rentals easily. It's um, you know the weather's usually conducive, so it works pretty well to have it there. So we've got that, and then. Um, I am doing a second one this year because I spoke at a conference um, on a, a, that had uh, featured a, um, a lot of practitioners uh, of Tantra and such. And so they asked me to, to do a presentation, and I did. And it just simply went over so well. Folks wanted me to, all these um, um, Tantric teachers is what it was, a conference on. And they were all so impressed with what I do um, because I've been doing this a long time, and, and I have that spiritual component. And a lot of Tantric practitioners have realized, had realized that they, they themselves had neglected that spiritual component. So it's what I call spiritual Tantra is what I teach. Um, and that is bringing spirit and God back into sacred sexuality. And, and uh, the sacred sexuality means that it's about healing and uh, spirituality and love and connecting, even more than it is about sexuality. Um, so we bring the other element in, the, the teaching people about healthy and... and uh, uh, passionate and you know uh, uh, incredible sexuality in our personal lives because I don't teach in a way that says you have to be in a partnership or you have to bring a partner or be in a couple kind of relationship. This is about yourself and it, it improves your life. So we do that workshop and people really enjoy learning more about that. And I so I spoke at that conference and it went over so well that folks had asked me to to do a workshop for them. So I had to add a second five day intensive and that one's going to be held in um, actually the week before mastery. So that's in about four weeks as well. So it'll be just the week prior, and that'll be, uh, you know, uh, uh, teachings on, uh, again, Tantra, sacred sexuality, or what I call spiritual um, spiritual Tantra. You know, what I think is so important about that subject is that there's an incredible power, spiritual power, in the sexual act and and that sometimes the most totally spiritual experience some people ever have in their entire lives is the experience of merging with another person in the sexual act and to become conscious of that and how it is spiritual is well so important yeah it's you know it's really misunderstood and underestimated the idea is I mean, there's there's different ways we could uh, approach that that topic, and a big piece of it has to do with saying, uh, yeah, putting self aside to be able to merge with another human being. That in itself is incredible. I don't care if the merging is in eye to eye contact with a parent to child, or the merging is an employer and employee, and you know, connecting uh, to what really needs to get done right now. It's connecting is what. Um, true intimacy is all about, what healing is all about. If a doctor or a healer connects with their client or, or uh, whatever it happens to be, you know, at a deeper level, connection, intimacy, connection. So taking intimacy and connection to the, what they call the sacred bedchamber, but to the intimate encounter, to the um, sexual partnership or experience, 
Well, that's what it's all about. Now you're going to a whole new level of relationship when you can, you know, bring yourself to that level of connection. So what I teach is not about um, Tantra as it's being taught by some today, which is just hypersexuality. Um, there's only a few authors on the topic of, of uh, Tantra out there. There's really only a few authors, uh, you know, a few books that come out, um, maybe a couple per year. And, um, and most of them don't even stay in print. But there are a few, only a few good books. But I would say half of the ones that, that come out, or far more than half, but half of the popular ones are just really still about hypersexuality. Mm-hmm. And the average reader won't know the difference. They'll go into a bookstore They'll see books on Tantra. They'll pick up a book and go, well, I like the name or I like the cover. So they buy that book. They don't realize that it's not authentic or that it doesn't really um, give you an accurate portrayal of, of what Tantra is about. And, and, and it's hard to, to say what Tantra is about because it varies. There's, there's a, a religious version of Tantra, like the Dalai Lama is a, is a Tantric Buddhist. There's the energetic version of Tantra, which is more about... Um, energy exchange between bodies, literally uh, moving energy between two different bodies and channeling energy, the kundalini energy and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's another version of Tantra, which is the sensual Tantra. And in the sensual Tantra, it can be just so beautiful and so affectionate, but sensual Tantra can also be... Um, there's another faction, so to speak, of sensual Tantra that involves far too much... Um, Emphasis on sexuality. Some people call this neo tantra. Uh, some people call it polyamory, where it's just you know basically having sex with whomever, whenever, um, all in by, in the name of love. When in fact there's really very little love involved. People are still acting out their their needs, and that's just you know all that is 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 being driven by the lower chakra. So you can't really rise into higher God consciousness, which is what love is, with yourself or a partner if, in fact, the other is being played out so much. Mm-hmm. So it, it's all, uh, you know, uh, uh, an accident again waiting to him, but it's something, you know, dismantling of these false belief systems is inevitable. So it's kind of nice because one way or another, folks that uh, abuse um, or misuse or misteach um, Tantra or whatever, you know, they're, they're going to learn themselves, like everybody, the easy way or the hard way. So it all, it all works out in the end. But um, the... Uh, what I teach is spiritual tantra, and, and you're right. It is quite an ex, uh, quite an extraordinary thing. And and again, if I were to summarize and say something uh, about that, just for an average uh, listener and viewer uh, of these kinds of programs, I would say just remember to slow down. If you slow down, make eye contact. Slow down, have conversations with your partners. Slow down, express your needs. Slow down, allow sounds. You know, whether it's subtle moans. Even when you're getting a massage or getting body work, slow down and, and feel what's happening. Be as present as possible. And in that, even in our meditations, obviously, in slowing down, we then can hear, you know, what's really happening in and around us. And even slowing down our minds is what the ultimate concept of meditation is about. So that it's kind of like, I will, there's a Course in Miracles workbook lesson. I will be still and listen to the voice of God today. It's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. If I want to know you and I want to know your divinity, rather than just get sex from you, I want to know your divinity, I need to slow down and listen to the voice of divinity that comes through you. Right, right. 
this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. I am so glad we we uh, talked today. And in, um, is there anything else you want to say before we close today? Is there something that uh, you you wanted to be sure to to get across today? Or well, thank you. You've done perfect, and, and this has felt very complete. I, I would only add this: uh, that uh, as a healer, um, it, it it always brings me back to sharing one particular thing when, when I'm asked question you just did if i know that we get into spirituality and we get into these great conversations and such um and it, and it is fascinating and it's wonderful and it's you know it's it's, it's incredible insights for our, our mind and so forth but i want to add that as a healer that doesn't mean that we're ignoring the stuff that people go through at times we're not you know my intention when i talk and share and write isn't just to say yeah god and love and peace and joy and beauty that's, it, it is true. That all, that's all there really is, and it is all fantastic. But I'm not ignoring that some folks out there, such as your uh, listeners and viewers, that, that I'm also aware that there are difficulties and there are trying moments and tragedies. And in that, um, this too shall pass. You have to hold to your conviction that there is only God. Make it over that bridge. Go through you know, get through the process. Your life is not just about either being numb to life's process or getting stuck in it. Because some people get addicted to going through processes and being in their pain. That's not the goal. The goal is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. So be encouraged to know that everybody is meant to discover that light, to feel the presence of that light. And I mean not just abstractly. I mean tangibly, physically, emotionally. So this is our inevitable goal. It's to experience more of God in every aspect of our lives and living. So uh, be encouraged. If, you know, if anybody out there is um, going through some particular struggle, major or minor, be encouraged to know that the inevitable goal, the inevitable outcome is greater good. And it's guided by the divinity within each of us. That's exactly right. Thank you so much for talking with us today. My pleasure. And I want to thank all the listeners who came to listen and the people who asked questions on the chat. And now we're going to play some music. And it is Gopinatha from um, Raza's Devotion album. Oh. 